0: Morning, everyone. I, I think I need to explain, for the sake of our visitors, uh, some churches have a policy. You know, they're against electricity. They're not into kind of anything too forward or progress. That wasn't the, the case here this morning. We were. We we normally do electricity. We do. Uh, we do sound. We like to uh, mic our, our our vocalists, and uh, we had some strange things happen. It's actually the first time we have. We always have a prayer time at the at the beginning of our. Uh, before our worship service uh, gets started, before our practice gets started. And uh, John asked me to pray for everything that was going on this morning. For some reason, I prayed, God, I pray that there'd be no drama. And I don't know if the lines got crossed and God was thinking, no drama presentation. Uh, uh, Anyway, that was not my intention. I just was hoping that there would be no drama. And we've had nothing but drama this morning. And um, anyway, that's, that's uh, some things uh, happen that we don't expect and we weren't looking for. And uh, uh, God has all that uh, uh, in hand as well. Uh, you may have seen the, the headlines that, were, that came back in January 2009. Uh, a woman who went by the name of uh, Natalie Dillon, it wasn't her real name, but she uh, used that name, uh, she made the... Uh, bold and unusual step in deciding to sell her body in an online auction. Uh, She made headlines, and sadly, she received bids from over 10,000 men. And the reason that she had decided to do this was because she wanted to raise money for her graduate studies. At least that was one of her reasons. And... As disturbing as a story it was, the thing that struck me as so ironic about that was that uh, her graduate studies were in family and marriage counseling. And I just thought, here is a woman with great ambition. She has a desire to do something really, really good. And you know, and I know, that marriages and families need all the help that that they can get. Uh, parents are in crisis, marriages are in crisis. And so here is a young woman with promise and intelligence setting out to do something good, and yet I fear that uh, she will end up spinning her, spinning her wheels. That in, in attempting to do good, because of the process and the way that she has begun her, her first steps into this uh, career and direction for her life, that it will be difficult for her to do the good that I think that she longs to do. Now, Natalie is an extreme example, and, and one bad choice, even if it's a really, really bad choice, it, it doesn't necessarily uh, fix the entire course of a person's life. But I think it's possible for all of us to do something similar to what Natalie Dillon did. I think it's possible for us to set out with good intentions to do good things, and yet the way that we go about them ends up short-circuiting the good that we would desire to do. I think we can set out to live a life of impact. And yet, because of the path and the way that we choose to live that life of impact, we don't have the effect that we would desire to have. We might desire to have an influence in our children. Um, Our... All of our helpers this this summer, our Sunday school teachers, they they desire to have an impact in the lives of these children. Uh, Parents, if you're here this morning, you desire to have an impact in the lives of your children. And yet, we're not always certain that we are doing good rather than harm. We're not always certain that we are making progress instead of spinning our wheels. And I believe today's passage deals with that very thing. How to avoid spinning your wheels? How to when you set out in a d- direction, if it's a good direction, how to ensure that you will actually make some progress towards that good direction? If you have your Bibles, we're uh, continu- continuing, and today concluding our series uh, in Second Timothy, and we are uh, just finishing up uh, the second chapter. If you turn to second chapter, uh, second chapter of Second Timothy. And I'm going to start reading at verse 20. We'll read uh, today's passage in a couple of sections. And we've been seeing that this, this, uh, this letter is Paul's last letter. It's his letter, um, Paul the Apostle writing towards the end of his life, facing execution uh, in a Roman prison with all of the, uh, the challenges and difficulties that came with that. And he's writing it to, to his disciple Timothy. But Timothy, at this point, is is a a youngish pastor. He's in his late 30s, and he faces huge challenges. Uh, at this time, the persecution under the Roman Empire was was really heating up. Paul's seen what he's had to face in his lifetime, sees what's coming for Timothy, and realizes, boy, this is a big task he's got ahead of him. And yet, Timothy wants to do good. He set himself uh, like. Like our our friend Natalie, he set himself a a good path. He wants to do something useful. But Paul knows that it's so easy to end up spinning your wheels, and so he writes to him uh, to, to encourage him in that, to encourage him in a huge task in the midst of a hostile culture. So I'll read from verses 20 down to verse 22. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he'll be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, peace. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Now, the first place that Paul's going to start encouraging his his disciple Timothy to stop spinning your wheels, uh, to to head in a direction and to to try and make progress in it, is that you need personal cleansing. There is a call and an, and there is a requirement to do something about your life. Character matters. Who we are is the greatest determining factor in what we will do and what we are able to do. To stop spinning our wheels, you need to, you need personal cleansing. Now, to get that message across, he's going to start in verse 20 by painting this picture of a huge mansion, uh, a, a rich and luxurious home. The mansion has various vessels, so there are ones of of gold and silver. Other passages describe Christians as being like jars of clay and and, and the, the, the idea in those passages is that we are, we are very humble and, and, and uh, uh, broke, broken vessels, but we have something precious inside us. That's not what's being communicated here. Here he's talking about there are some, in this house, there are some vessels that are good and honorable and, and worthy and presentable, and there are some that are, are not. Some are gold and silver, others of wood and clay. He's talking about honorable and dishonorable ven- vessels. So you have your fine china, but you also have your paper plates. A- and your p- paper plates have limited value. You don't bring them out for guests. Here, it's not the cleansing of uh, Jesus' forgiveness that's being referred to. He he, he does want to call us to uh, to cleansing. He does want to call us to... Uh, to uh, being fit for the master. But in verse 21, when it talks about about cleansing, he's not talking about Jesus' cleansing from sin. Because it says, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, there is a need to distance yourself from sin, to distance yourself from uh, the things that would keep you from being a, a a vessel that would be fit for God's use. If we want God to use us to influence others, we need to clean up our act. One area we need cleansing from comes in verse 22, that cleansing from unworthy values. He, he urges us in verse 22 to flee youthful, youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. There's a call here for all of us. As much as we want to focus on someone else and fix someone else, we first need to turn inside and to deal with our own hearts to deal with our own character, to be willing to address the things in our own lives. Many parents, for instance, have huge expectations for their children, have huge desires for their children to to soar and to accomplish things and to grow in, in godliness. And yet, often it's not accompanied by the same willingness to pursue righteousness, willingness on the parent's place, on the parent's part to hunger for the life that God calls us to, to continue to grow, to continue to seek God's face, to continue to look to him for uh, the the life that he would lead us into. Nobody serves guests delicious meals on paper plates or on dirty plates, and we can't expect God to do that with us. There, there There is a call for all who have been cleansed of, all, of their sins by the blood of Jesus Christ to then separate themselves from the, those sins in order that we might be more useful to our master. To stop spinning our wheels, we need personal cleansing. Now, it's interesting how Paul will tell Timothy to seek this cleansing. Even though he's a pastor, he doesn't tell Timothy, hey, you've kind of probably got all this figured out. Just, just work at this, you and God he doesn't say that in verse 22 he says to pursue righteousness along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart personal growth and uh, and transformation is a group project it's something that we do with others who are themselves seeking after God it's something that we do not 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 off to ourselves somewhere but we do with uh with with groups of people that 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 love God, that love his word, and are seeking to grow along with him. You and God and your favorite televangelist is not a recipe for holiness. It's not an equation to grow. You and God and your your Bible, as important as God is, as important as the Bible is, it's not, uh, the Bible will never call us to do uh, Christianity on our own. It will never call us to do faith on our own. It will always lead us into relationships with other people who will encourage and help us to grow. And so just as you, God, and the, your favorite televangelist is an equation for personal growth, frankly, you sitting here for about an hour on a Sunday morning alone isn't a real recipe for growth. We What we're doing mostly on a Sunday morning is uh, we're... we're focusing on God and worship, and we're hearing from God, but there's not a lot of this taking place on a Sunday morning. That's what we do in, in, in our church. That's what we do uh, throughout the week in our life groups. We come, to, we come together in small groups of people who encourage each other, who build each other up, who remind us that we're not the only ones living this life of faith. And we call each other and encourage each other and support each other in the journey. That's why we regularly in, encourage people get out of the get out of the uh, get out of the rows and into circles. We we want to encourage people to be a part of spiritual friendship. We want to encourage people to be a part of spiritual fellowship. And the main way that takes place in our church is in our life groups. Encourage you to be a part of one. Encourage you to be a part uh, of, of that process that Paul describes in verse twenty two. Seeking righteousness, seeking faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So to stop spinning your wheels, you need personal cleansing. The second thing you need is God's wisdom. As Natalie Dillon reminds us, left to ourselves, you and I make stupid decisions. We do. We make stupid decisions. We do things that are not in our best interest, We do things that will have maybe short-term gains, but long-term regrets. And uh, frankly, one of the reasons we come together uh, and we come together around God's word and not on our own is to encourage each other not to to do stupid stuff. We encourage each other in that. We need God's wisdom. Look how Paul points to God's wisdom in verses 23 to 26. He says this, There's so much in here that we, we don't have uh, uh, time to get, get into all of, all of the details in this passage. Our, our focus this morning was our children's presentation. But I want you to just look at a few things here. So much that goes uh, exactly against the grain of how we typically come at life and try to deal with uh, the, the, the problems and the challenges that we face. First of all, he reminds us that if we want to make an impact in a hostile color- culture... We're going to need to choose our words carefully. We think, we think that arguments solve problems. We think that arguments fix things. And God's word is emphatic here. Verse twenty-three says, "Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies that breed quarrels." Put them down. Get away from them. Avoid them. Don't walk into them. Verse twenty-four says. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. It, it, it's emphatic. It is obvious. It is a strong charge to each of us. There is a way to do things, and that's not the Lord's way. That argument is not going to solve the problems of, of your life. It's not going to solve the, the challenges of ministry. If you're arguing all the time, it doesn't matter how many Bible verses you're, you're using. You've become a paper plate in God's arsenal of uh, of serving dishes, and you're just not going to be that useful. We tend to think that tough times call for a, a tough response. We've got to deal with this. This is tough, you know, this is we've got a we've got a we've got a harsh fight on our hands, and we've got a we've got to fight hard. And if anyone was facing a fight, it was Timothy. When you have the combined power of the Roman Empire bearing down on you, and they are they are lighting f- Christians on fire, uh, setting them on uh, alight as torches. You've got a fight on your hands. But look how Paul urges Timothy to respond to that kind of fight in verse twenty-four. He says, "Be kind to everyone." That doesn't that doesn't seem like the answer, right? Be kind to everyone. Instead of arguing and nagging, he urges him to teach people. Like, like patiently open the word of God and communicate it. And just keep doing that. Be kind, teach. And in verse 25, he says to correct his opponents with gentleness. Like that's going to go over well with, with Emperor Nero, right? Be gentle with him. Be kind to him. And keep teaching your people. I, I, I know you've got, you've got um, Hymenaeus and Philetus. You've got these fa- false teachers in, in Ephesus, and they've been making your life miserable for years now. I, I know you've got uh, hostile Roman authorities bearing down on you. I know that people in the church are defecting, and, and, and like it's just a mess. So be kind to everyone. Teach them. And when you're dealing with your opponents, here's the strategy. Be gentle. That, that never, never seems like the solution, right? He reminds us that it doesn't matter if what you're saying is right. You still need to say it right. You need both the attitude of Jesus Christ as well as the wisdom of Jesus Christ. We seldom choose those gentle words because we're we're too impatient, right? We like instant results and quick fixes. Look at verse twenty-four. Here, here's God's wisdom. God's wisdom calls us to patiently endure evil. Like that, that doesn't even sound Christian, right? Like we're not to patiently endure evil. No, we got to fight it. We got to we got to take it on. And He says. No, no. You need patience. You need endurance. If we're going to be used of God, we need patience, and we need to play the long game. Because if you hadn't noticed, God's seldom in a hurry, right? he's, He's not rushing around, wringing his hands, wondering, what am I going to do next? God doesn't get into a panic. He plays the long game, and if we're going to be used by him, and of him, either in our children's lives, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our ministries, we're going to have to play the long game along with him. We're going to have to choose gentleness, choose kindness. We're going to have to be patient, and we're going to have to, if if the word of God is, is our guide, endure some evil. Keeping our eyes on him is probably at the heart of biblical wisdom. Remembering who God is and how God acts, and then lining our own lives up under him. And that's what I see this whole passage leading towards. See, I think Natalie Dillon, Dillon fi- figures that she can fix people on her own. So it doesn't matter how she goes. It doesn't matter that she doesn't have kind of God's power and God's help on her side. It, it doesn't really matter how she goes about it. She's gonna She's going to fix marriages. She's going to... She's going to transform families because she's got a a graduate degree. She doesn't need God. And although we churchgoers, Christians, like to say, oh, no, no, I, I wouldn't do anything like that, I'm not so sure. I think too often we think that we can fix people without God's help. That's why verse 25 reminds us that God is the only one who changes people's hearts. That's the only way you're going to be gentle. That's the only way you're going to be patient with people. If you believe that it's it's not just you trying to fix this person, but that there is an almighty God who is at work, and you're lining up to be used as his vessel. Look at verse 25. It says, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Do you know that God's the one who grants repentance? God gives that as a gift to people. So while you and I are shaking people and arguing, in them, arguing them into change, we're forgetting in our haste and our excitement that God is the one who grants repentance, that we need to be seeking his face that we need to be seeking his timing, that we need to be as patient as he is, that we need to have the kindness and the gentleness that would reflect who he is. Because ultimately, if the person is going to change, it's be, they're going to change because of God and because we have opened ourselves up, cleaned ourselves up, aligned ourselves with God's wisdom so that we might be used as his vessel. So that we might be useful to the master, because only the master is going to do work that ultimately lasts. Wisdom recognizes that when we're trying to influence people, there are spiritual first forces at work. People get trapped in, in trapped in 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 spiritual, real spiritual danger, real spiritual bondage, and if you think that you're just going to argue and beat someone out of, out of, out of that, you're, you're wrong. God grants repentance. God sets people free. And so we need to be cleansed, to be used as a vessel in God's hands that we might witness his work. So let's turn to the God who grants repentance. Let's ask him, as I think this passage is asking us, let's ask him to first grant us Repentance. Let's ask him to first deal with our hearts, with the dirt that, if we're honest, still clings to, 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 to all of us in various parts of our lives. And let's ask him to grant us wisdom and the humility to follow it, the humility to not go with what feels natural, not live by what feels right, but instead to align ourselves with him and his wisdom and what he would seek to do in and through us. Let's look to him now. Heavenly Father, we pray to you as to God who grants repentance. You're the one who changes people. And so we pray that you would Grant that repentance to us this morning. Start with my heart. Start with our lives. Open our eyes to see the sin and the dirt of our lives. Father, give us a heart to change, a willingness to grow. Give us a hunger for righteousness. Father, we don't want to just keep spinning our wheels. And so, deliver us from our own foolishness. Give us gentle words and a kind heart to respond to our children. Give us patience in dealing with the evil and frustrations of the world. And help us, Father, to keep our eyes on you. Because you're the only one who truly changes people. You're the one who breaks through and sets people free. Do have mercy on the people that we're seeking to impact. Open their eyes to, change their hearts, draw them to yourself. And may you be pleased to use us as vessels of your glory. For we ask you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ.